Welcome to Ride Around the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. And good afternoon, everybody. It's welcome to episode 108 of Ride Around the Road. And what a week it's been. We have been having all sorts of fun here uh, behind the scenes at Writer on the Road as we're getting ready to, to launch our Voices in Your Head writing program for adults. Now, this has been a baby of ours for nearly 18 months and we've been running these programs with our young scholars. Uh, and it's a, I guess it's the 10 voices and it takes you through the writing process from idea right through to becoming an authorpreneur. And now we're rejigging everything to launch for adults and we're ready to go. So this is the big news of the week. I'll be talking about it all over the place, hopefully getting some advertising up, hopefully bringing a few people on board. But basically what it is, is it is three courses, three mini courses of six weeks made up of workshops. So working with me for six weeks, if everybody can bear it, and it's getting your voices, oh, getting your story started getting your story written, and getting your story published. Now, everybody, you can work with me one-on-one coaching to take you through the whole program, which is, which is our, I guess, our, our signature course. But these mini courses are what I do all the time with my young students and what I do one-on-one with my adults, and now I've got them available for everybody. So it's been probably three months in the making, and now it's all happening, and now I get to talk about it and you know promote the craps out of it as well I guess which is really really exciting uh, so pop over take a look you can download download the guidelines by signing up to our newsletter we got the work, workbook cover design back today and it looks fairly spiffy so I'm excited about our workbook our workbook always has been I guess really well received and now that we've spruced it up and turned it into an adult workbook I'm hoping that it, it starts to fly as well we're following that up with a second workbook uh, but that one's not ready yet because I can only do one thing at a time and I, I get a bit exhausted. Okay, if you have been following Facebook or Instagram at all lately, you'll notice that I've been, I was a guest of, at Creative Mermaids with Sherry McCarthy, who's a beautiful friend of mine and been on the podcast a few times now. She's got a wonderful group over there and I ran an interactive workshop with them. Now, there was nobody there, of course, because it was three o'clock in the morning or some ungodly hour. Um, but the workbook, workshop has been well received since. And Sherry made me up as a little gift at the end of it, my very first quote called, writing is a doing word. Now that's something that I've always said and I've always said to my students, but now that it's up in lights, I feel really famous. So thank you, Sherry McCarthy, for all your support over the last week and encouraging me to get these courses finally launched for an adult audience. So I'm really looking forward to to rolling out, I guess, our Rider on the Road uh, story writing program for adults and I'll let you know as the week goes uh, weeks go by how it's received now I may be sounding a little bit stuffed up here today but my children have given me the flu so I apologize for that uh, we've got the wonderful Paul Brody of Paul Brody Education he was sponsoring the po- uh, podcast at the end of last year now he's coming back aboard this year and he's got this really exciting program happening with me I'll be working my way through his signature uh, how to launch a bestseller course and as I work work my way through it I'll be sharing my experiences with you and hopefully I won't have the flu so we won't sound as bad but that'll be getting kicking off in the next few weeks and I'll be talking about it with you 
uh, and hopefully you'll learn a little bit along the track as well as I do and I'll be sharing what I learn with you. Paul is a very knowledgeable man and he's seen a lot of people launch their books um, straight onto the bestseller lists and I think it's absolutely amazing and I watch on in awe um, because I'm too lazy and too old to even begin to think about doing that kind of stuff. But now that I have my 30 days to Betty writing habits and now that I have uh, my books coming out this year, which is my goal, I'm looking forward to seeing how they do it and I'll be learning firsthand off the best. So thank you, Paul, for, for coming aboard with that and sharing with me and my listeners your, your great experiences. Uh, I had a little, I had a little, I guess it was a little trip down memory lane during the week. I was contacted by a lady by the name of Shelley Wright and she's resurrecting a sailing magazine called Sistership. Uh, now, she, she's well known to, I think, our friend Helen Young, or Helen Young, who's down in Tassie at the moment, walking Cradle Mountain Track. And what Shelley has, or contacted me about, was an article I wrote for the original Sistership magazine called Voices in the Wind, and it was back in 1989. Now, I'd forgotten about a lot of this kind of stuff, and I dragged out all my old shoeboxes, and I showed my daughters all, all my life when I was a sailor. And I also dragged out some letters that my mum had saved. I'd written to my mum and dad while I was living on the yacht over several years. And it's the story of our our lives living on the yacht as we sailed up the coast or east coast of Australia. And they're they're funny and they made me laugh. I'm not quite sure they can be pulled together in a in a um, book length format, but I'll certainly put them out in some format. And that's a that'll be just a little passion project of mine on the sidelines to keep me entertained. So that's all the news there is here this week at Rider on the Road. Um, Looking forward to that oh, Voices in Your Head story writing program for, for adults, which has been so long in coming. And sit back now. I've got this wonderful, wonderful podcast episode that was really fun to make. I had three beautiful ladies, Rachel Johns, Lisa Island and Sally Hepburn, and we were talking about the secret life of authors. But what happened in this podcast is that they were having so much fun and they were talking that I actually just sat back and laughed. And I don't think I had much to say in the end at all. So sit back, have a listen, have a laugh. You will certainly learn a lot from these three very, very capable ladies. And I believe Sally has just put out a book. Lisa's putting out a book in the middle of the year. And then third comes Rachel with her latest release. Um, I believe you can sign up for their uh, newsletter, The Secret Life of Authors, over at Lisa's uh, website. So you can check that out as well. Um, I'm going to stop talking now because my cold is driving me and probably you insane. And welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Today, everybody, we're in for all sorts of fun and games. I have the three most beautiful romance writers that you could ever imagine with me. I have Lisa Island, Rachel Johns and Sally Hepworth. Uh, Welcome, ladies. Hello. Thank you for having us. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Melinda. Thanks for having us. Uh, Lisa is the quiet, shy one. She's going, what is she <laughs> let herself in for here? Okay, Rachel will always get lots of fun and games out of because she drinks Diet Coke just like me and we always have a joke about it. But Sally... <laughs> okay, so it's the Diet Coke Queens. All right, um, we have Sally Hepworth here with us today. Sally, I have never met you in person, so it's it's a great pleasure to see, A, how beautiful you're looking, and B, how brave you are to come and join us today. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm very excited, and I feel like we're all friends because we're all here together. 
Yeah. Now, these three ladies are two are in Victoria, I believe. Lisa and Sally are in Victoria. Rachel used to be a Victorian, everybody, but now she's over in the far-flung uh, West Australian coast in Perth, maybe. Maybe not. I think it's Perth. And what yeah, was, yeah. Was, was I close? Yeah, the hills of Perth, it's quite close. Yeah. 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 Now, everyone, um, for our international listeners, we do certainly travel around. And Australia is a big country. So even though we think we're here together in Oz in a very small place, uh, if I was to visit Rachel today, it would take me a couple of thousand kilometres and a very long time to get to see her. So it's great to see everybody here today uh, on the podcast and we can all see each other. We're using Zoom, so that's really beautiful as well. Some of us are looking more beautiful than others. Um, but what <laughs> I'm... <laughs> Which one? I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on a box. Um, in a pool. Uh, Rachel, it's very early in the morning over there and she looks beautiful, even though she said she hasn't got her makeup on. But I'm looking at Sally. And... <laughs> I don't know if she wears makeup. Uh, I know she's got a cottage at the bottom of the garden, which we'll talk about later. Um, but I've got Lisa and Sally and they are both beautiful. So Victoria wins the fashion stakes. But what I'd really like to do today is get to what we're here for. We're here to talk about the secret life of authors. Now, this is something that every aspiring author wants to know about. And these three ladies have come up with this wonderful scheme to share their lives with the world. Uh, who's going to tell us what this secret life of authors is all about? Lisa? There oh, you go, Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> well, Melinda, I think uh, the three of us are really good friends. Sally, Rach and I, we talk uh, together a lot about writing and about a lot of other things too, non-writing things, um, husbands and our kids and our you know, grumpy cats and dogs and whatnot. And we, we amuse each other quite a lot. We spend a lot of time laughing and we kind of thought it might be fun to share that with the rest of the world. I am hooked right at the word go. You have fun amusing yourselves and you'd like to share it with the rest of the world. First of all, everyone, uh, writers do lead different lives. We, we, I, I think we have, we keep different hours. We can be very, very private. And then when it comes to marketing and selling ourselves, we have to put ourselves out there. Uh, ladies, do you find that there's a lot of inquiry about what you do as writers and quite famous writers, I might add? Um, it's hard to know who, who, who we're gonna, who's going to take each question. Um, we all get emails. Is that what you mean? That like we all get emails and Facebook messages from, you know, aspiring writers um, asking for various questions and um you know, we, I think we all try to respond uh, as encouragingly as we can. But, yes, as you said, it's, it's one of those things that it takes time. So um, we often will direct people to better sources than us, I suppose, uh, like the Romance Writers of Australia or local writing groups and things like that. Um, because I think one of the other things, um, all of us, you know, we all write differently and we all have different processes and everyone has a different process so me telling someone how to write a book a I have no idea how to write a book because I don't know how I do it and I think the three of us always feel like that but also everyone writes differently um so you, know, you can direct people to the sources that we've all um sort of found helpful but that might not help uh, everyone else so yeah I mean we all get emails and messages and we do as best we can and so I guess in, in doing this newsletter together um we will hopefully give, be giving uh, our readers, you know, to be 
have a laugh and enjoy our insights into our world. But yeah, also hopefully our newsletter will be useful for aspiring writers who who might want to see the ins and outs of, of being a, a commercial fiction writer. Yeah. No, Lady, yeah. <laughs> I, I just think one, that one thing I might add is that um, we found it such a comfort to speak to each other about things that were going on in our days and things that we thought were just annoying to us or just exciting to us or just just had happened to us emails that we thought was you know were unusual and we all got to go yeah that happens to us too and and so that was one of the things that we really want to cover in the newsletter as well the things that that you know a lot of the readers will be aspiring authors and will be in our shoes one day and experiencing these things and to know that this is coming might be helpful for some people yeah and this is really exciting everyone uh because we're running over here at writer on the road we're running a 30 days to better writing habits and it's for new writers who are just starting out and are confronted by that blank page and go through all the doubts and fears as as you progress and at the end you end up saying I'm hopeless I can't do this and who am I kidding and I'm not a real writer and someone's going to find me out one day everyone it's really interesting I've got three um, multi-published authors sitting here with me today and every one of those ladies have the same issues that we do and I'd forgotten over all my years of writing as I've I've kicked back into my writing habit in the last 30 days I'd forgotten. I was sitting here going, who am I kidding? Why am I teaching writing when I can't even remember how to do it myself? Um, Sally, you're, you're on my screen at the moment. When you start out and you start a new novel, do you have the same fears every time or you're a little bit more confident now? Every time. That's something that will never go away. And I don't know if there are people further down the line than us that, that it has gone away for, but for the three of us, if, if we're anything to judge published writers by, we're full of, of doubt still. I think that it would be hard to find a writer who wasn't full of doubt. And I think that doubt is part of the process. You know, it's, it's about if we didn't have doubt, we wouldn't strive to make it better. Um, and if we didn't have doubt, we would write maybe a subpar book. So I think that that doubt and fear is really what pushes us to become better authors. And if someone does not have doubt down the track, I'd like to meet them and question <laughs> them. But it's definitely not true for us, is it, guys? No, no definitely not. <laughs> yeah, and interesting, pushing ourselves to be better writers. Uh, now, I know everybody, we all dream of having our first publication and going, yes, I'm a published author. But from a lot of my reading and a lot of my experience, once you're a published author, you go to write your second book and your third book and your fourth book. You, your doubts increase. They don't go away, do they? Because you've got a reputation to maintain. Uh, Lisa, I think you're at the stage now where you're up to, you're up to three or four books now. I'm writing my sixth at the moment. So the fifth one is coming out um, in April and towards the end of April. So, yeah, I've got number five coming out and I still have no clue what I'm doing. And I think, I think that's exactly right, Melinda. Like, I think I was sort of, when I first started, I was all full of the excitement of getting published and you're striving for publication. And you think once you get that contract, that first one, then you've made it and it'll all be easy from then on. But it's actually not. And we often, Sally, um, Rachel and I will often say, our, our problems just change and we are, and it's, that's why it's great to have this little community of the three of us. And, and we've all got other um, 
friends as well in similar situations that we um, bounce ideas off and, and chat with. But it, it's great to have a community of writers to talk to because you, your problems do just, they, they don't, they're not necessarily bigger, that, but they change. So, and I, I honestly, I, we have this, we're like, can I talk about, I'm going to talk about the turkey books now. Yes. <laughs> the three of us have had this competition going <laughs> Which of us was writing the biggest turkey of a book because we were all filled with such self doubt when we I'm were. I'm the winner. I'm the winner. Yeah, I'm the winner. <laughs> Rachel is by no means the winner, but I mean it's a it's obviously a prize. Nobody wants to win, um, but it just goes to show that even like Rachel's got what twenty books, right? You up to? 20? Yeah, I think it's the twenty third that I'm writing, but some are very small. Some are you know right. and she's still just like me and Sally filled with self self doubt so i think that's in some ways it's probably demoralizing for a beginning <laughs> but it's also i guess a bit comforting to know that you're not on your own and you know you're going to have the same sort of problems all through your writing life um, and you've just got to push through them and find a tribe to hang out with them play with them each day tell your problems to and drink with Yes. Yeah, and I think it is like I think yeah, it's demoralising maybe, but it's also realistic. And the thing is, we still do it, so it's like a drug. And you know, um, none of us want to do anything else, even though we might whinge and complain and stuff. So I think the thing is, a lot of writers say to me, some aspiring writers, oh, I wonder maybe I should just give up. And I often say, yeah, do if you can. To be honest, give up because it's not easy. And if you can give up, then you probably should. But the, t- the test will be if you actually try to give up and you can't, then you're supposed to do this. Yeah. Now, that's really interesting, everybody. If you can give up, do, because it becomes an obsession. And we all have families. We all have other things that we could be doing. And we have to carve out time away from those families. And we have to carve out time. We have to lock ourselves away. And other things will suffer. And sometimes, ladies we find that we end up doing everything at half pace and none of it seems any good. Uh, Have you found that that's the problem? It's definitely my problem. (laughs) I feel like everything in my life has been sacrificed um, for the writing, but at the same time, there's been a lot of benefits that my family have got from the writing. Um, You know, the house we're living in, just just their school fees, you know, extra holidays, not that they've done great holidays. Stop, stop, stop. I can't. Everybody, I've got my phone going off at the same time as as I'm talking to you, so I do apologise. I've stopped it now. I've hit the stop button. Rachel, I'm very, very sorry. That's okay. Uh, (laughs) I just think it's about balance and probably I don't have the balance. Lisa and Sally may be better at the balance. I think that's one of the things I would like to get this year, more balance. (laughs) But I do think... um, yeah, you know, it's it's something that, you know, you can take over your life because unlike some jobs, and I do think there's a lot of jobs like this, you know, even when we're sleeping, our characters are in our heads and, you know, causing us not to sleep. You know, I'm trying to listen to a child at the same time I'm thinking, oh, hang on, but how am I going to solve that plot, plot problem? So it's a matter of, yeah, managing the voices in your head, I guess. Yeah. But I think... Um, Oh, sorry, Melinda, I was just going to say, Sally often says, Sally and I do talks together quite often, and Sally will often will say, um, remind people that, you know, for us, this is our full-time job. So, you know, this is what we do. So it's not not that different for us to someone who goes out as a lawyer or a nurse or whatever, and they're putting in those hours. We 
you know, we're not trying to balance uh, work and fact, like when I think when you're an aspiring author, I think in that way it's it's actually more difficult because often you have a full yeah, um, yeah. another job as well as looking after a family or whatever else you do. But for us, this is our job. So, you know, it's yes, it's an obsession, but it's also our work. Yeah, and you've got to treat it professionally. Um, is it Steve uh, Steve Pressfield who's got the book about um, treating treating it like a profession? Uh, as you said, because that's what it is. It's not a hobby anymore. Uh, I think one of the questions that, that writers always have and new writers always have when they look at someone who's written 23 books or successfully written uh, six books, when do you know that it is your life and that you can say, I am a writer? Because some people won't say it even when they've got six books written. Well, uh, shall I take this one? Over it. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually hard to we all fight talk over the top of each other so this is quite <laughs> not um I would say that I think the technical definition of being an author is when you have sold a book is that right guys I think um yeah. you can be a writer before that and once you've sold a book you are an author um so someone has paid money for your book um, so that's probably how I would define it. Um, that said, I still think that people call me an author and I feel like a fraud and that ties back into what Lisa was just saying and what Rachel said about how we continue to have self-doubt and it doesn't feel like something we'll ever master. Um, and it also is a bit of a dream come true to be able to do this as our jobs. Um, so, yeah, I, I will... Actually, a really cool moment was when I was going overseas and I had to fill out the customs card and I got to write author as um, as my profession and that was once I started earning a living from, from being an author, I wrote that and that was a really cool moment. But it really is just as we define it, I'm always very strong on people calling themselves a writer as soon as they start yeah. to write. So. I have to say something there quickly because Sally's story made me laugh. I think Lisa knows this story about me and I thought I should share it probably. So when I went overseas to New York a couple of years ago, um, I too filled in, but I stupidly put writer rather than author. Um, and you can probably hear as I say writer, it, it could be rioter. And um, so, I, I mean, obviously I didn't, I wrote writer but when I was actually going through um, the immigration and the guy said to me, you know, what are you here for? And I said, oh, for a conference. He said, okay, what kind of conference? And I said, a writing conference. And he said, uh-huh, well, excuse me? And I said, a writing <laughs> conference. He started looking a bit more worried. And then he's like, rioting? He thought I was going <laughs> for a writing conference. So, yeah, I think I'm definitely it's better to use the word author. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did actually get stuck in a protest a few days later. So, um, you know, yeah, maybe. But, yeah, so I think, Sally, you've got it right. You should say author or novelist maybe, not writer. <laughs> you have to say yeah. that out loud. There could be problems. Yeah. Now, that's something that we'll talk about later on, everybody, because that's one of the perks of, of being a, a writer or an author is you get to go to all these conferences and I think all of the three of these guys get to um, talk and be speakers at at um, these conferences, is that right? You get you get to travel around and be famous. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know We've about that. Done, yeah, <laughs> we've all done events and things like that, but yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Now, what I want to move on to, we've talked about what what this life is all about. And look, these guys have a lot of fun, but they're very serious about what they do. And following any of them on Facebook, you'll pretty pretty much see that the fun is there. But when the writing is happening, we don't see much of you on Facebook when, when you're head down, um, bum up, eh? <laughs> That's because we drop the ball on everything else. <laughs> Is that what you were going to say? There you go. Oh, I was just going to say, actually, I'm always on Facebook because that's my procrastination tool. So when I'm drafting, I'm there all the time because I think I'll just scroll around on Facebook for 10 minutes, which becomes an hour, and then I don't get any drafting done. So, but editing, yeah. you don't see me much when I'm editing. That's when it gets serious. I would say the same as Lisa. I think my family and things think I'm on Facebook all the time. They're like, it's work, it's work. I'm, you know, interacting with people and, you know, researching things that, you know, links and stuff. So I would say I'm on Facebook too much as well. So it's very nice that the impression is that we're not there. That's good, guys, do you think? <laughs> not while editing. I think editing is the time when you just are just not on there, don't you think? Or you... Don't say that ghastly word, Sally. <laughs> the E word. Yes. Ugh. Yeah. Word. <laughs> yeah. Now, over here at Writer on the Road, well, I'm actively encouraging people to finish their first draft. Uh, editing is a huge, it's a huge monkey and it takes so, so long and you could do two, three, five, ten drafts um, and we can talk about that. But what are you, what's your advice to getting people through to the end of their first draft? Who wants to take it? Oh, my, I'll, I'll go on, Sally, you go. No, no, you go. <laughs> I was just going to say it's good to have um, goals. It's good to have, like, a, a target. for me. I mean, this doesn't work for everyone, but I set, and I know Rach does too, we'll, we'll set, like, a word count goal for the day. I work out where I want to be by a certain time. It, like, I might say I want 30,000 words by the end of this month then I work out how many words per day that's going to be and I write that. That doesn't work for everyone, but that works for me. Yeah, that works, Rachel, here. It definitely works for me too. I think, like, you don't always reach the goal, but say I want to write 1,500 words in a day. If I say that I want to write 1,500, I'm much more likely to get that goal than if I just sit down and go, oh, well, I think I'll just, you know, write a little bit today. So, and I think we all of us are working on deadlines and we all, you know, have to sort of follow that even if we're not inspired I remember um I went to a writing talk or something by I can't even remember the guy it was a long time ago um and he someone in the audience asked him you know do you sit down and wait for your muse and he said yes every day I sit down at my computer and I wait for my muse to turn up and when she doesn't I start anyway and I think that's the key to getting a first draft down you know not just thinking oh I'm gonna wait for the inspiration to strike and and write when I feel like it um, if you really want to get a first draft down quick, then you just have to be prepared to write, you know, rubbish um, and to just plough on. And so, yeah, getting those word counts down is is probably key for me too. Yeah. Now, we've got three professional writers here every day, everybody, and they're writing to deadlines. Now, the rest of us don't have deadlines and as indie publishers, quite often we don't have deadlines. So when you have an external force um, dictating to you that, well, by this amount of time, you have to have this novel to me or I'm not speaking to you anymore. Do you find that's the greatest motivator of all? Uh, look, I think that it can, even before I had a publishing contract, I had my own deadlines because I wanted to 
get a book published. And for me, that was, and, and even now, the motivation is finishing the book. And so I always say that to unpublished writers. They obviously are writing because they want someone to read their book. And so that's going to continue through the difficult times that'll make you continue through editing because the ultimate goal is to finish the book and then publish it in some fashion and have someone read it. So that's always what what inspires me to keep going. Um, as well as like the girls, I I also have got word count goals that I go for. And I think every writer should have their own goals um, because it's not usually just our, our hard deadline, the day that we need to um, hand our book into our editor that's really motivating us. I think I'm speaking for all of us. It's the fact that we have worked out when we need to get this book done in order to meet our own lives. You know, sometimes yeah. we move our deadline up a month because we want to, you know, have the school holidays with our kids or we, um, you know, want to be able to have time to work on something else. Um, so an unpublished writer should be the same. They might decide I want to finish a book by the end of the year and that's their deadline. And so it's good practice, if nothing else. Yeah, create your own deadlines. Yeah, yes, exactly. And Melinda, I think too, it's a um, it's a bit of a myth that published authors are always working towards um, a publisher's deadline because you just because you get one contract doesn't mean that you've got another contract. So not all published authors will have multi um, you know multi book deals. So you you finish your one book and send it off to your publisher, but you might not have another deadline. You are just like a, an, an unpublished author. You are writing a book that you hope someone else will buy. So um, many, many authors only have sell one book at a time. So, you know, it's a skill that you're going to need throughout your whole career. So it's no different for many published authors to unpublished authors. So you're just going to have to develop those goal-setting um, skills early on in your career if you're serious about making a living from it. Yeah. Now, everyone, we've got goal-setting under wraps. We've got habits under wraps. We've got finding the time to write under wraps. So that's really all we need um, to get on with our lives and finish our books and become famous too. Oh, it'd be so easy. All right. Now, resistance, not wanting to write. Now, we've talked about you guys being professional um, and that you turn up anyway and wait for it to write. Are there any tricks that you have um, to beat that resistance where you just got to push through and do it? Um, I think one of the things that really helps for me is doing writing sprints with um, other writer, like the writer friends and saying, look, we sort of stop faffing around for half an hour or 45 minutes and um, we're going to not check Facebook and not email and we're going to write for 45 minutes and then come back and report how we've done. I do that with a group of writers, um, or I used to. Um, it's great when we're all sort of at the same stage in writing a book um, because then you're all sort of getting that first draft down and it's very um, motivating. Uh, I didn't think I was that competitive, but it's amazing when you just, you know, you have to report back to somebody else's, um, somebody else about your word count. And that's, really shows you then how much you can actually write in a short period of time. Other times I can sit at the computer from basically when I get back from school drop-off at like just after 8 o'clock till 2 o'clock and write the same amount as in four half-an-hour writing sprints. So I do actually think that it works. Um, doesn't mean I always do it, but next book I'm going to try and get my draft down fast again. And so hopefully... Sally and Lisa and my other writing friends will also be writing a first draft and we can all motivate each other. 
Yeah. And something that's coming through really strongly here is accountability. And I'm going to talk to you about that next. But first of all, I just want to clarify something that you said there, Rachel. Did you say fracking around? Faffing. F-A-F-I-N-G. Faffing. That's my I need faffing time. Yeah. Faffing around. That's the title of our podcast today, everybody. We are faffing around here and I love it. I love it. We are good faffers. All right. You heard it here first at Rider on the Road, everybody, three prolific authors. I continue to to mention that because these guys, even though they're having fun today, they're deadly serious about their writing. Accountability. Um, now, Rachel just touched on that. When you have uh, external people having expectations of what you're doing, do you find that's crucial? Do you, by external people, do you mean like friends who are cat we're doing sprints with or do you mean the editor that I was waiting or an agent or? Writing coaches, anything. If you've got a new writer out there, being a, accountable to an external person, this is something that I feel very strongly about. I know there are a lot of people and I've seen them and they're writing groups and they say I'm going to write a novel one day. You come back to them five years later and they still haven't um, progressed beyond the first three chapters. I, I strongly feel that accountability, whether it be a coach, whether it be an editor, whether it be other professional writers, is the key to success. I kind of agree and I kind of disagree because I think, yes, it helps to have someone. It's like if you want to go to gym with a partner, you know, you both have to get up at 6am. Well, if you know that someone's waiting there, to, you're more likely to get up than go, oh, no, I can't be bothered today. At the same time, I agree with what, like Sally said before about, you know, you have to make yourself your own deadlines and stuff. If you don't, if someone keeps saying, oh, I want to write a book and, you know, I'm going to do it one day, the only person that's going to make them do it is them. Um, and they really need to be motivated to do it themselves. It's like you can't cure an alcoholic in the end. They have to make the decision to do it themselves. And I, I don't know if the others agree, but I think, yeah, accountability can help, but it's not going to be the thing that makes them do it. You need, you need to want to do it yourself. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with that, Rach. I, I just think the people who succeed, um, I'll be interested to hear what Sally has to say, but I think all the people I know that who have succeeded are driven themselves and who don't ha come up with excuses. Like everyone's got kids or dogs yeah. or mums or, you know, have had broken their leg or whatever we've all or was doing a PhD. We can come up with excuses until the end of the day, like but at, you really do have to be accountable to yourself and push through it. The people who succeed are the people who just don't look at those things as excuses but as challenges. So yeah. I don't know what you think, Sal. Yes. I mean, I think that the reason that, um, that accountability is a good thing, and I think what you were alluding to, Melinda, is that, you know, to have someone working with you um, is a wonderful thing and that's what we love about each other, that we do keep each other accountable um, but that's because we have all made the decision that this is what we want to do and that's what the difference is you know accountability is is sort of worthless if someone is going to be flaky or someone isn't going to do it so ultimately you have to commit as Rachel and Lisa and I have done that this is what we want this is what we're going to do regardless of if the other person shows up or not um, yeah. but we kind of hope that they'll show up for a bit of progress. <laughs> But Lisa said something about people who have excuses and I remember I got published. I took me 15 years to get published. Um, I did start when I was 17. So, yes, I'm a slow learner, but also I think it was, you know, there was a whole load of things going on. But it did take me 15 years and there's many times I wanted to give up in that time. But then once I did get published, so the time when I got published, I had three young children 
it's like when the finally things started to work out, we owned our own business and I was working, um, you know, a few days a week in the business. And the days that I wasn't, I had a four-year-old still at home, you know, three days, those two days. Um, and you know, I would, luckily he was my good sleeper and I'd write when he slept and I'd write at night. And people would say to me when I first did events and stuff, they'd be like, Oh, I love to write a book, but you know, I have three kids. I work full time. You know, we have our own business. And I'm like, you've just, you've just said my life and I've managed to do it. And it's not that it's easy. It's not. But if you want something, you'll put your heart and soul and everything into it and you'll make the time. Yeah. And look, you've heard, you've heard it, everybody, and we hear it time and time again. Uh, now, I know as a beginning writer, this would have to be one of the, one of the main questions that beginner, beginning writers ask is how. How do we get to the point where you guys are at? And I, I think you've been very clear in telling us, um, bum on seat and writing and writing and writing. It has to be has to be your passion, has to be your number one uh, priority. And I say that you can have family is always your number one priority as well, but your writing has to be right up there. Uh, otherwise, it's just not going to happen. Uh, writing tools. Do you just sit down and punch it out on your computer or do you use Scrivener or anyone brave enough to use Dragon Dictation? Uh, no, I'll take this and then throw to you guys. I use good old-fashioned Word document and I have bought Scrivener. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I bought it. I couldn't wait to buy it. I love buying things that I think are going to make my life <laughs> Who else can I give my money to to make this job easier? <laughs> So I downloaded it and I looked at it and I thought, what the dickens is this? And I can't be bothered learning how it works and I don't really understand it and I'm just going to just save it on my desktop and pretend that it's not there. And I then <laughs> Word document and I, I still write that way and I'm sure that I'll be that die hard, you know, like an old person on a typewriter still in my Word document when the world has moved on. Um, I know some people have had success with voice recording um devices i think that's what the dragon is um but for me it's always been about actually typing the words you know i, I kind of like to see what they look like and see what they look like in a sentence and um and then move them around and so the talking thing while i love the idea of it because you could do it anywhere and it feels to me like it would be a good use of time you know it would be a time effective thing to do um, I don't think that would work for me. So I'm a bit old-fashioned. But what about you guys? What about you, Lisa? Oh, exactly the same. Still stuck in Word and we'll be clinging onto it to, you know, taking Have that to the Yes, same. Absolutely <laughs> same. Bought it. Can't use it. Too complicated. Not my cup of tea at all. Um, it's funny you were saying about the typing, Sally, because, you know, I know a lot of writers do handwritten notes and stuff or when they get stuck, they write, uh, you know, on, in a notebook by pen, you know, by hand. I, for me, there's really something that only happens when I put my fingers on the keyboard. So when I put my fingers on that keyboard, you know, words come out. I don't know how I do it. Like, I've got no clue, but that's... 
that's what works for me. So I use no tools at all. The only thing that I occasionally do, or not as much in recent times, but I used to use thing apps like I'd use um, Pinterest to um, pin pictures of my characters because I forget, I'm not very visual and I forget what they look like. And so that's just, I only do that for cover art so that when the cover artist comes back and says what colour are the hero's eyes or whatever, I've got a visual record. But I never, after I collect the pictures, I never, ever look at them. So it's pretty useless. So, yeah, what about you, Rach? I think this is why we get along so well because <laughs> we are exactly the same in that. So I also use Pinterest at the beginning, um, seriously because I couldn't care less what the characters look like and so I need to remember that because you know yeah people want to know um i am word all the way uh my mum was a typing teacher so she forced me to learn to touch type in uh year five when i in summer holidays and so i can type faster than i can write definitely and probably i wouldn't be able to read my own writing to i too have bought scrivener um <laughs> I for about five minutes when I don't, i think it all depends on your process and our processes i think are all quite organic in that we don't know how we do it which is not very useful to helping people. But we think a lot about character and we do sort of think about key scenes in the book beforehand, but we don't spend a lot of pre-time like structuring. So I think we just basically write out a first draft type thing. And I think for us, Word works well. I also have brought Dragon because I love the idea that, hey, I could be more productive um, because when I was walking my dog, I used to use the voice recording um, thing in my books before I found, I mean, my, on my phone, before I found podcasts and before I found an app called Voxer <coughs> that we all waste a bit of time on. Um, I used to we walk in the dog and that would be my thinking time. And I would often a line from my book or something would come into my head. And so I would voice record it so I wouldn't forget. And so and I'm, one of my American writing friends, Macy Yates, uh, she uses Dragon Speaking Naturally all the time now. But she did it because she, her hands, she writes so much that her hands just weren't working anymore for her and she so it was, it was something that she just had to do otherwise she wouldn't be able to write anymore and I do think that not Scrivener because that's very much a process thing but Dragon um, I think it's one of those things that people often uh, resort to like if I had to if my hands stopped working or my eyesight went or something like that then I think I would make myself you know learn it but it takes time to sort of work out the process of speaking into a book. Like I thought, oh, this is great. I'm going to write one book while I'm walking the dog every day and I'm going to write another book at the computer and I'm going to be so productive. This is when I had a few um, deadlines back and I was writing kind of some different things. And so I thought I'm going to write my biker romance that I was writing at the time on my diet, diet, you know, dragon thing. But the problem is as soon as I, I got the dog and I was all excited and I got my phone ready and I was like, okay, here goes. And then I just went, my mind was froze it was like stage fright <laughs> and so I just couldn't I didn't even get to the stage of training it with my voice I just knew that it was a bit like Scrivener I, I just I, it wasn't for me and I think so I think like Lisa and Sally typing for me is hugely part of the process so I think probably all of us would do something like Dragon if we got to the dire stages that we couldn't you know physically type um but yeah I think we're very all similar in the process so go word we're sticking up for word <laughs> okay now i i'm sitting here chuckling as i listen to these Sally, what do you say I, I, just, I just thought of two other tools which i think would be really good for um starting writers and one is called freedom which i actually heard leanne moriarty talk about and i'll do anything that leanne moriarty tells me <laughs> um, we all will 
and yeah. um, it turns off it's an app that you can download and it turns off the internet for a period of time which you designate and um when I, am really I think we should all have that <laughs> you guys need it i'll get you it for your birthday Thanks. Um, <laughs> and you can even do it for a short period like half an hour if you want to do a sprint or something um it'll stop your emails it'll stop everything so that's an amazing app for um for beginning writers and seasoned writers. And the other one, which I used to use a lot more when I was starting out, is called Natural Reader. And it's a um, it's it's not natural at all. It should be called Unnatural. <laughs> it sounds like uh, it, it will actually, what it does is you put your, you kind of upload your document into it and it reads it to you. So it's great. Oh, oh and it sounds dreadful. It says Steve. Oh my gosh. The zoo. And, and <laughs> <laughs> but you can hear and so you can do it a I used to listen to it for typos so it would be a great thing to do once you were ready you know doing your proofreading but also um it can be really good if you you can make it go fast so it says Steve went to the zoo and then he went to the park and <laughs> and then you can hear it and you think yeah Steve we need to cut Steve you know so <laughs> Both of those tools, uh, Natural Reader and uh, Freedom, I highly recommend. Have either of you guys? No, no I've never used Natural Reader. Reader. Okay, yeah, nice. Unnatural Reader. I haven't, um, I haven't heard of, of um, Natural Reader, but I'm going to get it just for entertainment. Me too. I'm Freedom. going straight away to download it. I'm yeah. hopefully going to finish my book today, so then I'll be reading it aloud with Unnatural Reader. Can you record it and send it to us? No, because then, oh, yes, I will, because then you'll know that my book is the turkey. And if oh, I, no. We've gone rogue. We're, 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 <laughs> we're <just talking laughs> we knew it would happen. We knew this would happen. Sorry, oh. it was bound to happen at some point. <laughs> Um, I've, I've lost control of my podcast, everybody. I'm not really quite sure what's happening here. <laughs> now, um, what, we, what we were talking about before I completely lost it is I think we are talking about tools and then right. something happened. Um, now, to wind it up <laughs> is we're... I want, to, I want to talk about trusting in the process because that's something that we can't really put our finger on. It's something that a new new writer has trouble coming to terms with because you've actually got to let go in order to trust trust the process, haven't you? I actually think I was better at trusting the process when I was very much an aspiring writer. Um, and I wish I could get back to that because I think I had little, I didn't have so many voices in my head um, you know, the more editors you have, the more rejections you've had, the more reviews you have. You've got all these voices, um, you've got agents, publishers saying, you know, and you've got all the voices from all your previous books, of things that people have said. And so you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't do that, I can't do that. So I think I was much better at not listening to the voices in my head beforehand. So I don't know if I've really got much advice for how to... I think, you know, new writers... One of the, yeah, no. I think one of the things someone said to me um, when I... So for a long time I was writing, trying really hard to write romance for Mills and Boone and I was writing very tight, like, short stories. And then I decided I was going to try to write a rural romance because I was living in rural Australia and it was becoming um, quite a big genre at the time. But the problem was the rural romances were twice the size of... Um, in word count of the Mills and Boone. And I'd been spending so many years trying to write really, really tightly. 
But I was like, oh, I don't really know how, if I can do that. And a writing friend of mine said, just write whatever comes into your head. And I think actually for a first draft, that is very, um, you know, good advice. I was actually listening to Sally Hepworth. Sally Hepworth, I'm seeing it, reading it there. Sally <laughs> on, on another podcast last night. Um, and now I forgot what was, uh, she said something like, and I've forgotten what I was going to talk about. It was like reading. Um, those things, right? <laughs> she said something <laughs> oh, about, you know, that how things have become intuitive to you. And I think you've got, that's what you've got to trust. Like, um, you know, if you've read plenty of books and you've written them before and, you know, you've just got to trust that somewhere deep in the crevices of your mind, you know, you know how to write a book. Um, but I think, yeah, it's, it's a matter of trying to switch off all the voices and just write whatever the hell comes into your head to, to start with. I don't know. What do you think, ladies? Lisa? <laughs> uh, I think for us, once, once you've been published, you know, a few times, I, I agree. I think I've lost my trust in my process. I was more naive, I think, in the beginning and I always thought it would just happen. Um, and because I'm not much of a plotter, I in my first books I just wrote whatever and then I trusted that I would come up with the ending eventually and and it happened then me too more <laughs> but then the last book I was I, I sort of thought um I don't know if this is going to happen and I know Rach you've struggled with similar the things same at the moment yeah but I think for us and this is a I think good advice for aspiring writers is to find your tribe, the people that you really, really trust. And it's not going to be every other writer. You might, you know, just because you both write doesn't mean that you will have the same process or the same problem. So it might take a little while, but find the people that you really, really trust. And when you lose your faith in yourself, they're the people that lift you up. So when I say, you know, I can't do this, Rachel will say to me, you have done this before. Or Sally will say, well, I read your last book and it, it was, you know, great. I hate to say it. I hate to say it. But, <laughs> not mine but I never think any of my books are great but you having that tribe say to you you can do this you've done it before you'll get through it just keep going um when you lose faith in yourself I think that's a very valuable thing what about yeah. yourself yeah I think these two have said it there's there's challenges every step of the way you know when you're unpublished the challenge is you know trying to to trust the process to finish a book and when you are published, the, the trusting the process that I'll be able to do it again or that I'll be able to produce a book that my editor will like or a book that's more successful for the last or the book that will meet, you know, exceed the expectations of the last or whatever it is. Um, and, and we never trust the process. I, and I'm honest about that. The three of us don't. I think some people might. Um, it always feels like a fluke that you manage to finish another book. So I would say get comfortable with, not trusting the process. It doesn't mean that the process doesn't work. Um, but, uh, you know, they just don't trust it and don't think that it'll ever get to a point where it's easy or natural because if yes. it does, I'd say that you're probably producing um, a pretty ordinary book. I think if you're feeling anxious and torn up and, and you know, rang, wringing your hands and feeling like you're never going to get it done, you're probably in a good place. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. And often I think we are, I should actually add that I do think we're the worst judge, um, although not for this book, like honestly this book is the worst, but <laughs> previous books, like I think we're the worst judge of our own work. We're so close to it. We know what's going to happen so we think there's no tension and, you know, and often like I've had books, my least favourite books when I've actually submitted them are still my least favourite books, but they're some of the ones that people have loved the most. 
And I thought, oh my gosh, this is a terrible book. Everyone's going to find out that I actually can't write a book and that all the ones before that was a fluke and this is the end of my career. And that book, those, I'm thinking of two, those two books that I really didn't like and I still don't think they're that fantastic, they have been the ones that I get the most emails from and stuff. So I really think you just yeah, go trust your friends, trust your readers and yeah, trust that some, maybe you're not the best judge of your own work. Mm. So keep going despite the fear. Yep. I think everybody that your newsletter, um, what's it called, The Secret Life of Authors, is going to be an awful lot of fun. I think we are all curious to see the inside workings of authors' authors' minds. And I hate to say this, everybody, but these guys are exactly the same as the rest of us. They go through the writing process exactly the same as the rest of us. And they worry their babies to life just the same as we wish we would if we ever finished anything. That's maybe the difference, isn't it? <laughs> maybe the difference is that you lot finish things and we don't. Would that, would that be fair? It's true. You do need to finish something to be able And I also say you need to submit things because I, I, took, I took 15 years. But looking back, um, I think I got one rejection in about 10 of those years because um, and I didn't get offers of publication because I just submitted my book once and someone rejected it. And I thought, like, oh, but, you know, I'm writing something so brilliant and wonderful. I think I thought stuff was much better then and, you know, hopefully my <laughs> stuff now is much better. But I, I thought, you know, someone, it's going to be so good that, you know, someone's going to just knock on my door and want to publish me, you know. Obviously they'll just be fighting the door down. So I didn't actually submit my works of genius. And so I think, yes, you have to finish and you also have to put yourself out there. And another thing, even I think published writers do, like as Lisa said, um, you know, just because you've been published once or twice, it doesn't mean you've got a current contract. So we've got plenty of friends who are, you know, just as anxious about submitting a book now um, because, you know, they're scared that it's going to get rejected. And so I'm, I'm not mentioning names, but I've got a friend who I often say, don't reject yourself, you know, mm. let somebody else reject you. So yeah. you've got to, don't, don't think, oh, my book's so bad, it's going to be rejected. There's no point even, you know, submitting it. Get out, put it out there, get the feedback. If you get a rejection, it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, we've all had rejections. We've lived to tell the tale. But don't reject yourself. That would be my advice. Yep. Finish your book and submit it. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Another exclusive from Writer on the Road is... (laughs) Okay. Now, one of the exciting things that I think is happening is uh, you mentioned uh, Sally that you were on another podcast last night. We seem to be giving ourselves a better voice. We seem to. I know there's um, Pamela's Cook's Got Her one out there, women writers or writers for women. Um, I'm doing this. We've got Sarah Williamson has a little, um, I think she calls it a vlog. Uh, Getting yourselves out there and and reaching out to your audiences in non-traditional ways, are you finding that that's helping with, with your profiles at all? Yeah, look, I think um, there's always publicity that goes along with having a new book coming out and so things get busy around book promotion time or book release time Um, and and that kind of side of it is mostly organised by our publishers. Um, But then we are trying to also do things for ourselves, which is why, you know, this new newsletter, also because we thought that it was going to be fun um, and something we would enjoy doing together and also something that would potentially 
um, you know, prevent us or stop us from having to do our own newsletters, which none of us were really <laughs> enjoyed all that much. Um, so there was multi-prong um, advantages to to doing this newsletter. But um, and and we also do talk to our librarians and our um, book, local bookstore owners, and we're looking for ways to um, to get ourselves out there doing podcasts, doing um, in-person tours. It's, it's, and that's the interesting thing is that we start as being these little introverted writers and as sitting at our computer and, and, you know, the part of the appeal for me was that, you know, and I know for the other two was that we wouldn't have to talk to anyone. <laughs> you can imagine the, the rude shock that we got when our publishers said that we had to do interviews and, and go around to bookstores and talk to people. So um, it, it's, it certainly requires a lot. And now we really enjoy it. And I, I think I speak for all of us when we say there's nothing better than meeting a, um, a reader in person who read and enjoyed your book um, or a radio interviewer or the people that we meet when we're doing all this stuff. Um, but it's yeah it requires a lot of different skills and a lot of different hats and that's something that we've had to get quite comfortable with but now yes it's much better than going out and doing that like I was at an event for Perth Writers Festival the other day um and talking to you know being interviewed about the book and talking to fabulous readers and stuff and I was like oh I feel like a real author this is really fun and then I get back to my computer and I'm like oh I have no idea what I'm doing or whatever so yeah that that becomes actually quite um fun but I think there's one thing if we are talking about aspiring writers I think there's a danger for people trying to do all this stuff before they've actually got a book you know Mm. um and you know, I, I had a blog for a while that was, didn't, I, you know, yes, it probably, it was fun. And, and that's a big key, like Sally said about fun. I think A, you want to be having fun doing stuff. There's no point doing it if you're not having fun because it'll come across. Mm. But also the key, if you actually want to have a book published is to write the book. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who don't have, you know, any platform. They don't have newsletters. They don't even have a website. And I don't, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a website. I do think that's really important. That's probably the the minimum you should have but there's so many people who you know do all these extra things but they haven't they're not actually writing the book so the most important thing is still back to the book even for all of us you know we wouldn't be able to go on tour we wouldn't be able to do podcasts and talk about our books if the books weren't actually there so yeah I think there's a danger sometimes that people do too many stuff to try and build a platform when they haven't actually got anything to put on that platform if that makes sense I don't know if you agree ladies (laughs) Oh, for sure. I mean, I think particularly for fiction writers, like if you write non-fiction, it's a little bit different because people will often respond to, you know, if you're an expert on breastfeeding or whatever and you've got a a blog about that and then you put out a book, well, then that would be a good start. But for fiction writers, people are interested in your stories and, you know, first and foremost, and the platform can always come later. I mean, I know um, a very, you know, well-known Western Australia writer, Western Australian writer who had no um, platform whatsoever until she was picked up and her agent said to her, she didn't even have Facebook, like not even a personal Facebook. And she, this author now has a massive social media following and she didn't start until her book had been picked up. So I think it's not something, I mean, if you enjoy it, like I enjoy social media. I, yes, I, so I'm, I was always active on social media before I was published because I like it. I, I like talking to people, you know, from the safety of my lounge room. Uh, so <laughs> 
as long as I don't have to go out and get out of my slippers, I'm, I'm all good with that. Um, so, yeah, so if you like it, great, do it. But if you hate it and it's not your thing, don't waste your time on that when, as Rachel yeah. said, you could be writing your book. Mm. Yeah. Look, everybody, I am very, very impressed with the with the generosity, as always, of you guys. Uh, now, I haven't met, Ray, uh, sorry, Sally. Sally, have you got a book coming out, have you? Yes, my new book, The Family Next Door, is out next Tuesday, the 27th. Yay! The <laughs> Family Next Door, everybody. I think you should race out and buy it. Uh, now, I haven't had Sally on the podcast, everybody, but I will get around to it very shortly, especially now I know where she lives. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, Rachel, you just had one out, didn't you? Are you up to another one? Um, oh, in November, which feels like three years ago now. But, yes, The Greatest Gift came out in November. <laughs> Yeah, that was for Christmas and that feels like only yesterday as well. And Lisa? Um, I have The Art of Friendship coming out in time for Mother's Day, so end of April. Oh, okay, The Art of Mother's Day. So you have to come back on again. Yeah, between the, the three of, of us. Yeah. I was going to say, between the three of us, we've got your reading covered for the year. So <laughs> Sally has one. Of the yeah. year, at about in the middle of the year and um, me towards the end. So, yeah, if you only read three books a year, we've got you covered. Yeah, and everybody, please go and um, subscribe to the Secret Life of Authors. I've subscribed, and I'll be I'll be giving you my tidbits that I glean from from this newsletter. We all want to know what goes on behind closed doors, and now we can, well, now we do know because this podcast, if we put it up on YouTube, we'd be able to see. Um, but I have had a special request <laughs> that we don't do that. <laughs> Rachel didn't put on her makeup again, uh, but I can tell you, everybody, it's been a delight. Now, this is the first time we've had sort of three people talking at once and three very, very generous um, people with their, with their knowledges and with their advice on how to get published. But the other thing, we've been working under rather trying conditions. I'm sitting on a box that is, has collapsed onto the ground. Uh, we're, we're doing this via mobile. And I thought you were sinking, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you wait till next week when I get everything back up and running and I sit at a chair again. I'll feel so flash. Uh, and I didn't put any questions out anybody to any particular one of these ladies, so they've had to pick up the ball and run for themselves, which I actually found really interesting because I didn't know who was going to answer what. So I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed the generosity of the ladies. Subscribe to their newsletters. Definitely go and buy the books and start with Sally the family next door um i've written the family next day so i've got it wrong already uh <laughs> everyone you all have your own websites pretty easy to track down i'm sure they'd be under it'd probably be lisaisland.com racheljohns.com and sallyhepworth.com am i close i'm sure if you google all our names you'll find it but yes <laughs> close yeah, enough is <laughs> good enough and and their australian romance writers uh have have quite a huge profile here in in the land of oz um very generous with with new writers coming through so drop them a line ask them a question okay so that's bye from me at writer on the road while i go and have a stretch anyone got anything to say before we give up for another week just thanks for having us it was lots of fun any excuse not to do actual writing <laughs> Exactly, and that's good timing because my baby's just woken up. So, uh, Excellent. Okay, everybody, when you're finished listening to this podcast, please go and get the Freedom app. 
okay? And then you will write, free to write, it's what we all need to know. And the voice, uh, the advice came through Sally um, via Leanne Moriarty. And we all know that we want her on the podcast one day if we can ever track her down and get through her publicity, people. We will keep trying. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go get your baby, Sally. Thanks, everyone. And I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.